You're listening to the Into the Dust podcast, hosted by Joe Moore, presented by Belly Up Sports. Join today's episode, David Higgins. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from No Credentials Required to talk to you about one of our newest partners at Belly Up Sports, SeatGeek. Yeah, live sports is great on television, but the feeling of being at the arena is a priceless experience. That's why our friends at SeatGeek are there to help you find the best tickets at the best prices. Not only can you get tickets to sporting events, we can also get tickets to concerts, comedy shows, musicals, and more. Search for your desired event now at SeatGeek.com, enter promo code BELLYUPSPORTS at checkout, and you save 20 bucks off your first purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. All right, so how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, all good, thank you, mate. Um, busy day out testing with the boy, and now just back home and chilling out for an hour. Nice. Um, so you've had a illustrious career, obviously, winning 10 American Rally Championships. How has that been for you? Yeah, it's obviously really um, good. Like when you when you're competing and you you're going at it all the time, you never really look at the numbers. You never, I never really sort of chased championship numbers. Just every season I went out, I gave it my all. Whether it was the ten in America, the the seven in China um, beforehand, or or the British ones, I just literally go in all at it. And it's not really till you sort of take a step back and um, obviously sort of have that quiet time where I haven't been out much lately where you sort of sit back and think, yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a bad career. I just wish it would um and hope we can keep it going a bit longer really. So I know um earlier, well last year, um I had tagged you in a Instagram post and you said that you wish you could come back to American Rally because you feel like you have unfinished business. What is that un- what unfinished business do you feel like you have? Um, I think I think the main thing was would be to stop and call it a day um, when I wanted to, probably more than anything else. Um, you know, I wasn't ready to stop when we when we when we stopped. Um, still feel like I've got a lot more a lot more to offer and a lot more to give, but it's just un- unfortunate at the moment. It's the opportunity isn't isn't there to to get out there like I love the sport I love the rallying the people over in the states were brilliant and had such good times it would just be um it would have been nice to to do sort of one or two more championships and even to a point where when you go to some of the rallies that we've been to and been a part of for for many years it'd be nice to sort of go there for a final time and sort of say thanks to everyone in person rather than you know the way it all sort of stopped very quickly and then COVID came it it just didn't really feel the sort of the way to try and end a career by choice. You know, I, I, I was always at that point where I, did, I wasn't sure how many more years I wanted to keep doing it. But for sure, I didn't. I didn't want to just sort of finish the last rally, walk out of the car, and then and then stop. So um, that that's probably one of the one of the main reasons. And it would be you know it'd be great to get involved with a new project like we were when we were developing the Subarus and trying to get them going and sort of race against better cars at the time it'd be great to try and do that again with with somebody else and um and, and go back at it but it's um obviously opportunities just aren't, aren't there at the moment but we, we keep pushing we keep looking and we'll see what happens so what was your favorite rally to attend when you were in america or oh, even anywhere in the world um i always i really enjoyed oregon um the area was great i, I loved the format of doing the stages down and the 
down at Portland and even that drive up that night up to up Cladales and things um, was always a real favourite of mine. Um, and I think I think the fact that I won it every time bar <laughs> bar one is is also it was always, it was always a good strong event for us. But it was just it was just a nice place, a nice area. Um, enjoyed the sort of the format of the slightly longer event with it being the three days, but. You know, people always ask me, like, what's my favourite rally? What's my favourite stage? But, you know, your favourite rally, you could have a bad event on it and it could be, your, you can be your worst. So I think the events become very um, result dependent. Like, Ojibwe was always a great fun rally to drive. LSPR was a mega challenge because of the conditions. Snowdrift was mega unique. So, you know, the thing I like best about the, the championship in the USA was its variety. So um, it'd be very, very difficult to sort of single out one event or or um one place you know when we were in china all the time they had some amazing stages out there and the uk has some brilliant stages so it's just one of those things where it's very very difficult or impossible for me to put a to put a sort of stamp on say oh yeah that is my favorite event or whatever like my son was asking today if you could go back and do one more rally what would it be and i think i've kind of got no idea (laughs) it's just one i know i can go and could be be competitive in i guess so what was it like rallying in China for you? Uh, China was mega competitive. It was probably the hardest, the hardest series I've ever done in, in the scheme of every team ran two to three really good top sort of European or foreign, like Australian or whatever drivers. Like they were using Group N cars, so the, the cars were very easy for everyone to have very, very similar machinery. So you, know, you could have one stage where you could have a tiny problem and be... 12 fastest or you could have a you know a good run and be and be faster so the the competition element of it was was absolutely fierce there was nothing nothing like it um we had a really good run over there i went one and a half seasons unbeaten um, and we won the team's championship i think um four or five times out of the seven years i was competing there but obviously the place itself was was difficult um obviously you can't communicate with people you have to have an interpreter everywhere you go you can't sort of drive around freely but it was a real unique challenge but because there were so many sort of overseas and um competitors there we'd sort of arrive on a rally and all have a a real good laugh hanging out between events and doing what we were doing sort of on the events were fierce competition but then we'd had a had a good time all hanging out together and it was just really different like the food could be absolutely horrendous and you could go days where you wouldn't eat anything you wouldn't trust it but it was just it was just a proper adventure um but the stages and the rallies themselves were probably one of the best organized events i've ever done the same organized went to every single event they had full-time course cars and sort of pre-cars that go through so every start marshal was the same for every every event like the way they did the format so it was a it was a really, really good, strong series. So um, good times for sure. You've raced a lot of rallies in America and you've seen a lot of rallies added and a lot of rallies removed from the uh, American Championship. What's one rally that you would like to see brought back to the American Championship? Um, even before any talk of the WRC ever um, came into it, the like one of the very one of the very first events I did over there was Cherokee Trails, um, in Chattanooga, and and that and, and that was just an unbelievable event. The stages were great, the people were great. It was a really fun rally, but I only I only ever did it one time, so 
for sure that would be a good event to come back. Um, but you know, it's a lot of them. Are, there's there's not many that have sort of disappeared. That um, like a STPR obviously is not on the main national calendar this year, but um, it's it's still there and it's still it's still running. But it's um, I'd like a little bit more not necessarily different events or different things to come back, but some of the older formats of some more night driving, because that was always very unique to go and back to America was they were always doing the night stages and more of that. So I think some of the sort of the, the formats, of the events could maybe go back to a bit more night driving and things like that would certainly um, spice it up a little bit. So you mentioned the WRC uh, returning to America. What's your thoughts on that? Um, for sure, it would be absolutely amazing if they can make it happen. Um, and uh, every, you know, America is such a big player. The biggest problem we have in America, and probably one of the biggest reasons why I'm not able to find a program to compete in, is that a lot of the cars that they're rallying in in Europe and overseas, they don't actually make that model in, in the states. So that makes it very difficult to get the manufacturer interest from the companies that are obviously based in the USA but to get an event there would be an amazing crowd obviously um, WRC events run very very different to how to how our events um, run the formats the rules the regulations the way they police it um, it just I just hope that when they do do the event they bring in they get everything the best they can possibly do to make it a proper show because we've definitely got some of the best roads in the states anywhere in the WRC championship you just need to make sure the organisation and everything else, and you know, people are people realise that when you do a, an FIA WRC event, you know, you can't just use any car that's about this. This so obviously it makes it very difficult for probably ninety five percent of people right in America to be able to compete in that event. So it's um, it is a it is a very different type of show. But if we can make it happen, it's absolutely amazing for the for the sport. Um, and probably sort of the, the kickstart we need again because you know over over the years I've been there the the ups and downs you see this year like one year you know there's like like last year was you know a lot of cars all battling for the championship and then you suddenly go back to this year where you it's it's now down to a bit of a one horse race again for most of the events so it's just a shame we can't keep that momentum going and just get that final push to get the media it needs to get the the sponsors behind it that, that it sort of needs but it's also a very very clubman minded theory as well where you know people want to build their own cars they want to do their own things and they they just want the challenge of rallying but that makes it harder to attract the big sponsors to, to take the sport further so it is a it is a difficult difficult situation really so you've competed in a few drc events throughout your career um well what has that been like for you yeah, it was it was good. Obviously, I made a, I've, I've done Rally GB, Monte Carlo, Finland, China, loads of different um, Turkey, loads of different WRC events. At the time when I was trying to do it, I you know I had a, a bit of a dilemma to try and push for the sponsorship to go and do one. The at the time, the Group N category, the showroom category, was the sort of the the, the feeder series at the time, and I I had options where I could try and do that series where you go and. <clears throat> try and put everything you've got into paying to do and do that series or I had opportunities where I could go out and drive as a professional in place like China and different ones so 
you know, looking back now, I regret probably not doing a, a full championship. But at the same time, I've had a much longer career and, you know, made a living out of it <laughs> through doing what I've done. So obviously the events and everything are great. But, uh, you know, just because it's a WRC event, it doesn't make the rally or the stays any better. Like if you're in the top cars, it's fantastic. But the second you're, you run down the field a little bit, the road, the roads just get absolutely destroyed when you're putting that many big high performance cars through them so you do the recce and can't wait to drive the stage and you get there on the event to do it if you're running sort of 20 30 cars back for example and you can't even choose which bit of the road you want to drive on because the the ruts and the damage can be so bad but it's um it, it, it's just it's all like everything like a, everything has its good points and everything has its its bad points but it's um it's just it's just become incredibly expensive to to do these events now it's, it's, it makes it very very difficult like back when i was first started out you could do rally gb with a a very a good spec clubman car for probably less than seven thousand pounds at the time where now you wouldn't even get your tires for the event for, for close to that so it's um it's certainly very very difficult now to try and make that step for people to go and do it so You've driven a lot of different cars throughout your career, mostly Subarus. You also driven Mitsubishi, so on and so forth. What has been your favorite car to drive? Um, my favorite car I've ever driven would would have been um, <laughs> like when I drove when I tested McKenna's car last year before um, Hundred Acre, which is obviously the WRC car, but with the two liter engine like that car, which is absolutely unbelievable. Um, but the best car I ever rallied would the, the Subaru back when we, you know, the last couple of seasons and that car, that car was so dialed yet also so built around what I wanted and what I was wanting from a car that, you know, that car was an, is an unbelievable um, car based with, you know, the team was brilliant as well. So um, it'd be very, very difficult to, to beat that. Like obviously I've driven group B quattros and God knows what else, but you know, there's cars that you drive with a lot of history that give you a good buzz, but the actual performance of driving Subaru and Barry's car were really unbelievable, to be honest, and amazing, amazing cars. So what was it like driving uh, New England uh, 2020 with Barry instead of Yeah, Subaru? that, it, it was weird because you, like, you've gone from all those years where um, you've been the Subaru guy and you've, um, you know, you, you've been part of that family for such a long time. I, I, I really felt like a bit of a villain coming back and going against him. So, you know, a lot of the press and a lot of the people sort of got into the thing that I was going out there just to go against Subaru. And that was 100% not the case. I just wanted to do a rally again. Um, I wanted to get out there and it was it was, it was was a way of doing it. So why I was doing the event, it, it felt pretty horrible, really. <laughs> um you know, because you, you, you're going against your, your team that you've sort of been surrounded by for the previous 10 years. But that that rally for me was um, a lot more personal than just doing a rally. I'd had a big accident on a bike the Christmas before and had a really nasty break on my leg and lost all the feeling and it had major operations just to even walk. And when I did that rally in, in New England, I actually still had no feeling in my right foot at the time, so um, which was pretty difficult and why I was like really surprised that we were able to still run at the front and obviously win the rally um, but it was 
I, I don't know, the first time I'd actually walked without crutches was actually stepping onto a plane where I was determined to um, to go to the event and not be on crutches. But Barry rang me a few weeks like beforehand asking me if I could do the event and I just sort of used it as my way of trying to get walking and get, get mobile again, really. So um, that, I didn't tell him, obviously, or, or anybody else, but at the time it was it was really, really difficult just to, to even to get there so um that was cool and the car was great as well it was a really it was really good to be out there and and do it and obviously to take the win again was just the icing on the cake really and new england isn't an easy rally to drive correct no it's it's, it's hard and it's um it's physical because it's, it's obviously a very hot rally the stages are quite rough in there um i was also in a car that obviously i'd never done many miles and it, I had like probably 15 miles testing in the car um, beforehand so it, it was it was obviously very sort of challenging but it's um, and the bumps and different things made it made it quite tricky but you know the car with the car was really good and we got we got into a you know I, I probably felt like on that whole event I was never really more than sort of 75-80% of what I knew I could have done with if I would have been obviously one a bit healthier with my with my legs and things, but even a bit more comfortable with the car. But it was just, it was just great being back out there and you know seeing the people again and and getting to to do the rally. It's such a fun rally to do because of the jumps and the different challenges of the of the event. But it was um, it was definitely good and having a bit of a battle with my old teammate as well was 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 good fun and, and something that was probably. Um, one of my favourite wins, even just because of the way it came about, and we sort of went there as the underdog a bit compared to always being the target on the back that we had for probably ten years previously. Um. So, so what was it like being teammates with a guy like Travis Pastrana? Um. Yeah. No, it, it was mega, really. Like me and Travis are good friends for sure. Um, he's way more competitive than people ever give credit for. And he works way harder than what um, people think he does. Um, like, you know, he wants to win, win so, so badly, just like the rest of us. But it's, um, it, it, it was cool. Cause obviously when I first met Cav, um, Travis and Ken on the same day when they were, when, when I'd sort of left the USA and was doing something else, I met them both when they were, you know, going to Tim O'Neill's to do a first sort of introduction into rallying and to have a bit of a test. And I was there to to help them through it. So then to go back and obviously my first sort of call back to go to America was from Lance to go and replace Travis because he was going off to do different things. And then obviously he kept coming back for different events and then some full championships and things. But he's just a real good, cool, fun guy and um, works very hard at it. Obviously it's, um, you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's ever difficult being around it, but you know, you he's you know he's so well known for everything he does. Um, that it's it's you know he, he's just he's just an amazing character that he can be all bit down in the dumps in the motorhome because he hasn't gone as well as he wants to go. Yet he can step out of the motorhome and turn on the charm and have all the crowd with him straight away. And he's just he's just a, he's just great for any sport he does. To be honest, and a good guy and a good mate. How did your how did your partnership with Craig Drew come about? Um, basically, when, when I first um, went to America in 2011, and um, the year before, I, I was obviously competing in China, had no real plans to, hadn't even really been looking at America at all. 
Um, but I ran my own team for a couple of seasons and Craig was a co-driver of one of our junior drivers at the time in the British Championship. I think it was 2007 or 2008. And then when we went out to China again, one of my teammates in China was looking for a co-driver. So I suggested Craig go out. And during that time, um, he'd done a few tests with me when when my current co-driver at the time couldn't do it. Um, and it was always a, a case where I always tried to keep a, have another option open in case for one reason you needed someone different. So I'd always, during all my career, would do the odd test with a different co-driver just to, to know you've got someone that if you had to jump into an event last minute that you're, you're ready to go. Um, and then when the American deal came up, um, and my co-driver at the time, didn't want to commit to the travel or to be away so much. So he, he didn't want to lose. He didn't want to quit his his full time job. Um, she was doing, he was working and doing the the rallying sort of on the sidelines. And then obviously Craig was the first person I called, and that was it. We got going, and um, <laughs> ten years later, we 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 done what we done what we done, and literally just before we started this message tonight, he was just on the phone to me, um, asking me what's the chance of trying to get a car for for some events this year in America again. So um, we're still talking. Obviously, it would be good to go back and, and do some more events at some point. I know Craig, you know, drives at, well, co-drives at the WRC2 level and that has actually done some WRC1 stuff as well with uh, Oliver Solberg. Yeah. So he, he's, he's went a far way, huh? Yeah, it's funny. Like co-drivers, it's when they've got a, when they get the reputation. There's way more opportunities. way more opportunities for co-drivers just to jump in with somebody else. But as a driver, you you're totally reliant on the deal or the sponsorship or whatever before you can go somewhere. So it's um, it's good that he's great. It's great that he's got the opportunity. Like we still worked together last year a few times on a on some WRC projects where we were away doing some work doing some coaching helping other people so we're still obviously in contact a lot and um just ready to get back at it really so is there any chance we could see you back in the ara this year or um yeah i think there's always a chance obviously um obviously i have, I have very close connections now with with era motorsport because my son drives for them in their f4 team and He's on their young um, young driver program, so um, I was meant to be in Olympus to do some testing for Kyle's Hyundai, um, but unfortunately they they were short they were they had a shortage of getting some parts for the car just before the event, so they had to pull out. But I was all scheduled to go out there and do a test in that car, and um, you know depending on what like Kyle's got some really big events coming up this year with the classic RAC and his Mark II Escort, so. If you know, if he was to choose to go and do some events in um, in the in the, in the USA with his with his Mark II and the Hyundai was available, then there there is a possibility that we could maybe try and try and get out in the car. But it's just you know, it all comes down to find the budget, getting everything in place to to do it. But um, you know, there, there is obviously a, we do, we do have connections, we do talk about it, and there is something that you know there is a, a sort of a willingness to try and make it happen if we can if we can find an event that we can do or, or whatever so it's um i definitely say there's a, there's a chance but you know it's it comes down to a lot more things and just me wanting to do it or or era and kyle wanting to do it you know is you've got to make it financially viable as well 
So last year you drove with Kyle uh, and Ira at Olympus in his DS3. Um, you had a steering rack failure, correct? Yeah, it was, it was real unfortunate, to be honest, because originally Carl was going to have um, the new Fiesta, but they were delayed from Emisport. But he'd, and he'd, he'd sort of offered me the rally um, previously. And then obviously when he didn't have the new Fiesta, it wasn't possible for me to use the other one. And then sort of Kyle's just one of these unbelievable guys that makes things happen when he when he wants it to to happen and next thing you know he sort of said oh yeah unfortunately I haven't got the Fiesta and there but he was flying a one of his Citroen DS3s that he had in the UK that he'd used for some training and some testing and um, to get used to the R5s earlier so he had that car ready flown over but unfortunately the car got didn't clear customs until like literally like a few hours before we due to start testing and there was a, a seal gone in the rack so um, we just we, we tried to sort of do a few runs and testing, then we tried to sort of repair it. But unfortunately, as soon as we got like four or five miles into a stage, we'd lose power steering. So um, it, it was obviously a shame that we had to had to pull out and and do that because the, the times, you know, even on the first couple of stages, the times were actually really competitive considering we did half of it with um, with no power steering. And, and I had a new co-driver that I'd never had in the car before. So... I think you know we we could have been on for a good result, but that car again, it's just it was just a shame that um, you know cars like that, with especially the French cars, the parts on them aren't so easy just to sort of go and go and find. But the team did a mega job to try and do it, but it's um, it was just a bit of an unfortunate, an unfortunate one because it would have been great to get a good result for for that team. So obviously, you mentioned having a new co-driver. At that event, that co-driver was um, James Fulton, who this season co-drove for the late Craig Green. Did you ever get a chance to meet Craig? Yeah, I'd obviously met Craig like loads of times during like his early career and when we were doing things. So um, <clears throat> yeah, it was a tra- tragic shame, like you know that guy absolutely lived, slept, and breathed rallying. So. Um, I, I, I sometimes go out to Ireland a bit now, and I do some car setup for um, for people in in various different cars or driver coaching and things. So obviously, I'd seen him over there with, um, before he'd done some of the stuff, and known him from you know his early days when he first started. When he first started, so it was just a an absolute horrible week to be honest. But um, you know, and and for James as well. You know, James had a, had a major opportunity to go in that car and to do the full series and to to you know to get that many rallies in a top class car with a driver like Craig. You know, his career was set to to go. So, I, you know, I hope that um, James can now sort of find a way to to keep going and to get back into it because he's an absolute stunning co-driver as well and deserves to be at the very top as well. So, um, yeah, just a, a tough, horrible horrible dark side of of the rallying that thankfully we don't get too much of but it's certainly not the not the first time we've sort of come across it during our career as well so you mentioned about power steering last year you have a bit of experience driving without power steering because wasn't there one one time in the Subaru I believe this was before the uh current model that they use didn't your power yeah. steering break for like half of a loop or something, or like an entire loop at one point? Yeah, it was a, it was that, um, you know, probably one of the best like 
championship years we had really where we had a bit of a fight where it was 2013 and Kenan brought this unbelievable um, WRC fiesta with like it was a real sort of step ahead of what what we had at the time but Subaru and Vermont sports car being like they are they just dug so hard and we pushed development and we were testing all the time making new parts and doing new things all the time to try and you know to try and bridge the gap on their car and try and you know keep the championship alive and I think it was a Jibway rally um the power steering um belt uh, failed or, or came off or snapped or something something happened we lost the power steering and um it was just what like it was one of those unbelievable sequence of events but I remember um limping through the stage and you know when the power steering goes in a rally car it's not like a road car you just have no power steering they they literally are virtually impossible to just to see and we sort of got we got through the stage and they lost a bit of time and then I remember um, the wheel sort of kicked back in it. Um, I, we weren't sure whether it broke my wrist at the time, but it was just like a real bad sprain afterwards. But it, at the time, I, like, I'd done my hand in, and then for some reason, while we were going to the next stage, I was trying to repair the car in between the stages. And the, somebody got a message through that I'd had damaged my wrist with one of the medics. So the medic then was sort of drive down the outside of the cars to where we were, where I was working on the car, ready to go into the next stage. And like the freakest thing ever, he sort of locked a wheel up and then running over my ankle because I was sort of hanging out of the car because I was like underneath it trying to work on it. And he then sort of drove over my, ran over my foot on my ankle and sprained my ankle. So I was there left with no power steering, a, a sprained ankle and a, at the time we thought a broken wrist. And like literally an absolute agony got in the car to try and go and drive the next stage and as we're getting a countdown for the five four three two one literally one of those tiny little trees just fell in front of the car and me and Craig just looked at each other and thought shit <laughs> this definitely isn't going to be our um our rally but we we you know we soldiered on and got through it and I think we we got the second place that we had to try and get out of that event to to keep things going up to, to the last round so what was that championship fight like in 2013 with Ken? That was 13, yeah, 2013, yeah. Yeah, what was that championship fight like with him? It, it was intense. It was brilliant. Um, probably one of my favourite ones of, of all the ones we did because a lot of the other ones, you're obviously fighting against your own teammate or, or whatever for the championship, but it was literally sort of Subaru against Ford, us against Ken, and um, it got quite feisty and quite heated at times and you know we were going off trying to develop different tires because our car at the time we got we got the performance out of the car quite well but we had a a real struggle with front tire wear at the time because we had to try and force so much performance out of the car and, and how it was that um, we had a bit of a struggle with that so you know before the last round we went out and did um, an extra sort of three days testing just to try and really work on trying to get the tires to sort of last a little bit longer and different things, but it, it was real. It was a, it was a, it was an intense battle in one that you know it got quite. You know, like Ken and his team, you know, we you know we we all always got on well, but at that time when you're battling for a championship, the biggest issue is never normally the the drivers against each other, but some of the stuff you read on the social media and. You know, there was all the Subaru fans and the Ken haters at the time because he wasn't with Subaru and different things, and it was all it was all a bit 
just typical sport and how people get behind the one team or against the other. But you know, at the time, it was a it was certainly a, a real sort of a, a fight. And there was at that time, I think Ojibwe was the first time that had been brought back into the series. LSPR was the first time it had been in that series. So those were two new events for us at the time that we hadn't done for the previous two seasons. So it was it was certainly a a hard year and one that you know went down to the wire and the absolute you know whoever won the last round was going to win the championship and we were having a mega sort of full-on um balls to wall fight um we took a wrong tire choice i think at one point on the end of one of the, the first or the second loop of stages on the first day and kind of got ahead of us and then we went into the dark stages and we decided to really sort of put everything into it and try and see what we can get back and we end up being in the lead and then obviously um, it obviously ended with Ken having a, a nasty crash at the end but it was you know we both could have crashed so many times each we were we were taking big risks and both you know knew we had to win the event so it was definitely one that went down as a um, it's probably one of the best fights we had sort of season long as well really and then last season we had a, a fight very similar to that actually uh, where it went down to the wire at LSPR once again and Ken crashed out. Um, yeah, it was, it was a shame, like, especially now, obviously, in the current circumstances. Like, you know, Ken did, you know, so much for the um, for motorsport and for for cars and everything else. And, you know, he it would have been really nice for him to get that um, championship because it was something that he never actually got during any of his... Any of his um, any of the years he did it. So obviously now, obviously after the tragic events of the, of the um, now, obviously he's not going to get that chance again, but it was certainly a good one to follow. And we were, you know, from back home, we were watching it and just seeing how it's going to go down to the wire and different things. So it was definitely a bit of a nail biter for sure. Really. Um, obviously I think, you know, the, the, the car they, they had last year, that Hyundai with some of the things it had with different things was certainly did I would say they definitely had a car advantage over Subaru for sure, but a bit like 2013, you know, you could see during the year, Subaru just kept developing, kept pushing and kept going harder and harder to, to make their car more competitive and to take the fight to them. So we've talked a bit about Travis Pastrano. He went last the entire last season without a win. What do you think that was like for him? Um, probably less... Painful than it was the year when he when we, we had a, he had a bet with me on one of the seasons that if um he he bet me that he'd definitely win one rally during the year and he he didn't and obviously the deal we had was the loser gets each other's name number tattooed on the backsides so um I'm, I'm, I hope he didn't have to get a bad tattoo um, last year for not winning an event but the year the year with me he's definitely got my number and name on it on his um on his ass cheek so he'll remember that for a long time also but you know Travis is an absolute warrior of a competitor and he hates to lose so um you know but he just he does so much in so many different events and different disciplines I think you know he's always doing a bit of this and a bit of that I think if he ever was to sort of like I know he did put a lot of work in Corallia for sure but I, I always found Travis at his best and most dangerous when he sort of rocked up and just got on with it and um when his back was against the wall, he was always at his his strongest. I think sometimes you can, when you start overthinking it and trying too hard and trying to force the issue itself, it's obviously a little bit more difficult. But 
Um, he'd always catch you out on times where you, you'd least expect it from him. Like if he arrives at an event with an injury or something, like, oh, good, Travis is not going to be as hard this weekend. And then, sure enough, it's the strongest event he's ever had. So um, he's, def- he's definitely a fighter for sure. And he, he would have hated, obviously, not winning. Um, but, it's, but at the same point, he's always the first person to acknowledge when someone has done a better job than them. So it's um, he's, he's, a, he's a great guy to race against. And you mentioned Travis having injuries. He's had like injuries on like everything. I think he's broken like every single bone in his body at least once in his life. Yeah, um, you know he's 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 definitely a a, a special character, and for, um, for sure, obviously, what he's done with the bikes and everything else and the different things. I think he's just he's, he's just literally wired different to to anybody else. Like I don't think he. I don't think he has the, the sensation of fear um, in him, but he's just, he's just, you know, injuries and different things and what you battle on with, like, um, it, it, it is just for sure. It's um, it, it's not easy, but I think he's just, he's literally grown up with it because I think when you ride motorbikes, you probably do spend a lot of your time driving injured or not at your 100%. So um, for sure, he's, he's, he's done very, very well with that. Um, but it's obviously... I know I know it takes him a, few, a bit to get warmed up and get going in the morning he's definitely a happier person when it's warmer and not the cold and the, and the wet but you'd um, you'd never know when he's talking to anybody what uh, I believe it was 2017 didn't he at one point race with like a broken leg or something um I can't remember I can't, I, I know there was one rally where he'd, he'd had a he'd had a, a Something with it, with a, with one of his leg, well, the top part of his leg or something, and had a had a break, and something was fixed or whatever. I know there's definitely one event where he wasn't very good because you used to always look at the, I remember you used to always look at the movement schedules and see if there was his doctor on the on the movement schedule, and that was always the indication that he'd done something to himself beforehand. So, but there was there was a few times where that was when that was the case. So you've had a lot of teammates. Um, ranging from guys like Patrick Sandell to guys like Oliver Solberg, who has been your favorite teammate to have? Oh, that's a really tricky question. Um, I suppose, um, like even going back with Mitsubishi Lachlan and Sullivan, was, was he was a brilliant teammate. I remember being parked up at the side of the road where our transmission had failed at the end of the stage, and he was always there to get on a tow rope and, and tow you back, you know. It, it, it's when, when you're racing teammates you know we have this all the time now with my son's racing um you know your teammates you've got the same they've got the same opportunity they've got the same equipment as you it was always quite um tricky really especially the last few years at Subaru because um they could everyone wants to try and get your data get my onboard videos get everything else so there was a lot of sort of things there to try and help get the other people to be faster where it wasn't there wasn't as much I could get from from them so you obviously you, you it's, it's hard work when you're trying to battle your own teammate but they're getting given every single thing that you you know you've got like you know my when they've got access to your full onboards your full pace note system your full car setups everything you're doing you know it, it is always harder to raise your teammates so during those times you know, it's it isn't easy. You've got to you've got to be quite ruthless and try and um, 
hold something back or to try and to try and do something because you know you you want to beat your teammate more than anybody else because they are in the same same kit as what what you've got so um it's 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 definitely it's definitely hard but they, I, I would definitely I don't think you could ever say you've got a failure you know Dave Mira was absolutely brilliant because he was just an absolute um legend of a guy and completely off the planet and different things and his way of sort of just attacking everything was was really cool. Travis obviously was was mega. Um, the, probably the hardest teammate was probably Solberg at the time because um, you know he was going there with a very different view to the, he was going out there to drive a, a really high powered car as hard as he could go and as fast as he could go without really going for a championship. Where we were having to sort of try and make sure we won the championship at the same point in time. We didn't want to make it look like we were um, going to be able to get a pushover or be slower than him. But, you know, we were doing a lot of hard damage to the cars because we were going a lot quicker than certainly over the rougher sections and what you'd ever feel comfortable doing normally. But, you know, the way you drive the WRC, you drive everything absolutely 100% flat out and then you just bring the car back to service and let the guys rebuild them. And I remember the waste management stage on that on. Um, STPR, we were coming through and just probably, you know, every time all the radiators, all the fans, everything was just getting damaged because we were going through the rough stuff so much quicker. So that was definitely a um, definitely a sort of a, a tough teammate to have, but one that it was, you know, it was good that we were able to still sort of show our speed against him. And the following year, he obviously went on to be running at the front in WRC. So, um, so that that was that was good. So, who's been your toughest competitor ever? Um, oh God! So I, I don't. So John, I, don't, I really don't know. That's a that's a that's a tricky one because every every time you have a really tough competitor, it can, it can often be because you've you know you might not be in the best car, they might be in a slightly better car. Slap person is really hard to hard to beat. So um, yeah. I, 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 I really, I really wouldn't um, be able to pick pick someone for that. To be honest, it's um, it's it's always there's always so many <laughs> different variables to it. Like if you're if you're doing like the year when I uh, the year when we had like the mixed teammates where we had Sandell in for a few rallies and Atkinson in for a few rallies and then Travis in, that was a really horrible year for me because I again I had to go for the my job was to win the championship for Subaru. They were coming into one-off events, just wanted to try and <clears throat> win the event. So, um, and why we were having to try and sort of go quick and not do it. So those those were difficult years for sure. Um, but I would I wouldn't say there's one person I ever feared more than anybody else, or there was one person that I you know didn't ever like to see on an entry list. It's just um, when you go there, you've just got to do the best job you can and not try and worry too much about who they are and who you're against, really. What's your dream rally to attend? Um, uh, there, there wouldn't. I, the, I'm in that really fortunate position that I've. There, there, there isn't an event I look at and think, "Oh God, I wish I could have done that," because I've actually done everything that I've wanted to wanted to do. Really, um, I think if you if you there was one of. There is, I think, some of the stuff in New, some of the classic stuff in New Zealand would probably be very good. But I'd probably also <clears throat> love to go and drive those days at the same point because you haven't done it before. You're going against people that have done it many times. I'd get frustrated with the fact that you want to be you want to be winning. So 
you know, I was always driven by the competition element and always driven by wanting to to win and be the best. So I would, you know, I've never sort of been one of those people that have gone into an event just for fun or an event just for the sake of doing a doing a rally. I only, I only ever really compete because I'm driven by wanting to um, to try and come out on top, really. So that's probably makes it a bit different. I think you know, when you look at some people, they sort of pick and choose what events they do because they're a favourite events. But for me, it's um, I'm probably what maybe too much result driven if you like but i think that's what's kept me going and kept my career going for as long as it did what's your dream rally car to drive again <laughs> I've, I've driven I've driven, I've driven every um i've driven every car that like like the quattros the group all the group b cars all of the classic ones i suppose the one car i'd probably love to do an event in would be um the old um, M3 BMW on a, on a tarmac event because I remember watching um, Snyers and the Isle of Man when he was in that car, the Bastos car. That was probably one of the cars that I sort of sat back and watched and thought, I really want to have a have a go at this. So um, I was meant to actually drive on it, it um, the rally the rally festival last year, but unfortunately the car had an electrical glitch just before I was about to to have a go on it. So I'm sure I'm sure I'll get a spin in one of those one day soon. So this is a question from one of the listeners. You've used a lot of different liveries throughout your career. What has been your favorite livery? Um, I, I, I love the, 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 at the time, I, the, the first Subaru colors we had were the blue and yellow and the, on the hatchback in 2011, 2012 were, was really cool. But the time I then got really, bored a bit but when you look back at that that was really good um we had some really cool fish liveries on the one of the hatchbacks with the orange car and the logo down the side for the for the rally cross i really like that but i suppose my the one time i was able to pick my own livery was when we um i think it was a year when we won the championship in 2013 i think it was we were able to go to was it one or it might have been the year after actually or yeah to 2014 I was able to pick my own library if I won the championship before the last round and we went to Olympus with um just about, I just wanted a plain white car with black wheels and black writing on it. So that was really cool. But you know, oh, oh, there's been some really um really nice stuff. I, I really wasn't a massive fan of the colours or what they got now with the sort of the blue and the yellow of the because um, you know I remember those cars being the five 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 livery more than the actual Subaru colours. So you know, I was <clears throat> that wasn't one that really struck it for me to be honest, but I've um, there's been some cool stuff before. So you mentioned the five 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 series. You got the chance in twenty fourteen or fifteen to um honor Colin McRae at Rally Wales GB. What was that like for you? Um yeah, it was it was it was it was really nice to come back home and do an event over here, obviously. The car was a, a group end production car, so it wasn't. You know, it was what we were hoping to try and do was to bring the the actual um, open class car and get dispensation to run the car, um, or or even use it as a course car. So I was really hoping that we were going to be able to do that because it would have been nice to try and compare times against <laughs> the proper WRC car. So, but the the group end car that we had was a, um, you know, it was, it was a lot sort of 
like a production-based car is, is way different to drive than the open cars, but it was just great to be on home soil and to, to drive that car. Um, with that with that livery, it was cool, but it was also we were, we were given the opportunity to be the very first one over the start ramps. So that was quite a nice um, a nice thing to be able to go and lead your home rally over the start ramp was was nice was was great and just sort of seeing the fans out there was was it was really good to be back home and sort of rallying in front of you know people that I used to rally with before I'd gone to sort of China and the states and things that that was really really fun event and you know it wasn't a mega battle as in I've done those stages many times before where you've been battling to try and win the event things, but it, for us it was more of a demonstration event. So it, it was it was a it was a good fun weekend and a nice sort of no pressure situation really because we had a comfortable lead in the in the showroom category, but we were also able to to get right up amongst the the R five cars at the time as well. So it was it was a it was a good a good event and nice way to finish the season off. I think that was the year in 2015 where we actually won, where we had the perfect season, where we won every event as well. So it was a nice little, nice little send off for that season. So, seeing as you aren't doing rally or much with rally anymore, what are you now doing with your time? Um, I'm, I'm still doing obviously coaching, still doing the the testing and things for people. So that still keeps me fairly busy. But it's it's really my son Matthew and I were. Um, he's at that sort of pivotal point in his um, career. He's we're, we've just come back from a two-week stint in Belgium where he was racing two European kart races, and then um, he, so he's still doing a full-on kart program um, with the Tony Kart team, which is one of the biggest teams going. So he's doing that. But then um, Kyle also gave set up an F4 team to have an era junior driver program because. For the, for the sports car and the, the LMP programs, it's really sort of where you're having the bronze driver and the silver driver and things. The silver drivers don't stay there very long if the team's successful. They get bumped up to gold. So um, we had a bit of a chat about, you know, a development program and different things. And we were on the way to Belgium last year and Kyle sort of phoned us as I oh, would Matthew be interested in doing the, the USF4 championship. So... Um, and I'm getting him on this young driver program, so we're busy sort of going backwards and forwards for him um, for that. So we we had the first race a few, um, I think it was mid March, and then we were back over two and a half weeks ago for a for a test just to try and get some more seat time. Because unfortunately, the series, although it's very good and it's a full FIA series, there's a lot of youngsters racing it and there's a lot of accents and a lot of red flags so I think we did the first race meeting over three days and maybe only got 20 laps under green flag so um, you know it's tough for Matthew because he's racing against people that have been testing those cars for for two years before they go into racing them so we're a little bit down on seat time so Carl arranged a two-day test a few weeks ago and he's busy with that so I'm away with his karting or his racing in the F4 and different things. So it's um it's definitely keeping me keeping me very, very busy, that's for sure. So I know we talked at the start of the episode about um your time with Subaru. How did that come how did that begin? Yeah basically um Lance and um, Vermont Sports car ran me in my last year. I rallied in, in America, which was 2003, when we were in the factory Mitsubishi's. And 
and the program all came to an abrupt stop when Mitsubishi decided to pull out of um, their motorsport program out of everything other than WRC. So we were all meant to go out for, I had still another two years on my contract, but unfortunately it all just sort of came crashing down and stopped. And we had a great time with Vermont sports car back then. And Lance just said to me, I said, one day, so um, he said, keep your phone handy. He said, one day I'll, I'll be phoning you and I, and I expect you to, to come back. And that was 2003, end of 2003. And then it was the end of 2010 when I was away actually competing in a rally in, in, in China. Um, and the phone rang, it was, it was the USA number and Lance just literally picked up the phone and said, do you remember that time when I said, oh, I'm going to phone you back? He said, now's the time. He said, are you, are you, are you interested? And I just literally said, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. Um, call me tomorrow or when I got well, when I got home from the event and um, and literally that was that was it um, I was on a plane going over to there and did the first test with the, with them um, and basically that was that was the start of a an unbelievable 10 years really 2020 or 2019 was your last season with Subaru did you know during that season that that was going to be your last season or did that kind of come up abruptly after the season? <clears throat> yeah, it was a real shock to be honest. Um, we don't, Subaru were, getting, were always getting later and later before they could finalise contracts to a point, like with, with Vermont Sports Car, to a point where we'd quite often start the season where I'd, I'd have a contract to drive, but we didn't know whether, um, because their their budget ends and their, their, budget, their year ends are very different to our season starts. So, you know, one of the reasons why we never did snowdrift every year was because we just weren't sure whether we were <clears throat> what program or what we were what we were doing. And I, I generally had two to three year contracts most times. I was I was with Subaru. Um, and my contract was obviously due up at the end of two thousand nineteen. With sort of everyone was sort of we were under the impression that if it was going to happen again, it was still we were still looking to do it really. Um, but it, it, the last couple of years was definitely getting harder because the more, the more we were, they weren't doing as well in the in the rallycross program. The more budget that was needed for that, and the more focus it was coming on that, and it it was really definitely getting, you know, trying to squeeze as much to try and push into development of the of the rallycross car was was definitely getting um, was was a priority because you know they they had to succeed in it. Um, but I, I, the first sort of indication I got that maybe it, it wasn't going to happen was when I went to the Off-Road Hall of Fame and um, in 2019 we were in Vegas and they had this sort of the video that came on and which they'd done as a sort of presentation and it was very much more of a sort of a thank you for everything you've done um, role and I'm like Mm, this looks so what was I was hoping to be a sort of a really nice sort of night got me really thinking uh, maybe this isn't um, this isn't going gonna, this is and, and then all of a sudden um, obviously I got to sort of hear that you know um, they were trying to do the thing with the with the Jim Carner program so obviously Travis is, his the budget was coming for the rallying through obviously other, there's a lot of a lot of politics and a lot of things that there wasn't really a rally budget all of a sudden. It was more of a Jim Carner and, and rally cross and different things. So 
Um, so there, there just wasn't a place for me um, in the car, which was a real, you know, a real shame. But I, you know, I understood it and I got the, I got the situation. And you know, at, at the time, um, it was obviously it was a it was a bit of a, a blow. But at the same time, that was the, the going into the twenty twenty season. My son was sort of tipped to to win the British Car Championship, which is one of the biggest championships, you know, in the world in karting. And now it was it was quite nice to sort of think, oh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be here for a year and I can actually be at all those events and, you know, put a lot of time into him to make sure he sort of ticks that box and gets to win, which he did, which was mega. But and then obviously COVID hit and then when you couldn't travel, there was at the time when it first came to a point where I wasn't going to be competing, I pretty much lined up some sponsorship and lined up a potential new team that we we're going to try and do something with um in the states that year but then when the covid hit and you couldn't travel and you couldn't do anything it all just sort of didn't happen and then covid sort of lasted for way longer than than you know any of us expected really um and it just sort of the momentum and everything of it all sort of just just died so obviously i, I still speak to lance i speak to the people at Vermont sports car and they're all still really good friends and things just um you know, just it it just definitely wasn't the way um sort of I'd intended and we'd planned and what we were thinking of because even at the point where you know we'd sort of I was hoping there would be roles where you could sort of you know finish driving and maybe go into a sort of a, a role where you're helping with the team and helping the next drivers along but it just and COVID and the travel bans and everything else came in it was just pretty shit timing really for when everything all all just came to a stop so you know people think that I had this thing or we had this fallout or I retired but it was just it was just never the case it just literally just wasn't um there just wasn't an opening for me in that in that car that year really which is um you know that's the way it goes in motorsport so have you ever had a chance to talk to Brandon Semner yeah obviously I've rallied against him um before obviously when he was doing his early stuff and I, I speak to him I still speak to him now and we sort of we chat about things and last year we'd be talking about different things and when he was going to an event that he hadn't done before we'd have a bit of a chat and and different things so it's um yeah definitely keeping have a contact it's, it's never obviously a big contact but when I'm when I was over in events last year um either helping people at 100 acre or when I was doing the rallies when I did Olympus we still sort of chat chat a lot and, and we all get on well so do you think Brandon Semenuk is the next multi-time uh, rally or American rally champion? Um, for sure, he's in the, he's in a um, he's in a prime place. Um, I, I would definitely say the best. Like, yeah, I think he, I think he deserved to win the championship last year for sure. I think he drove he drove really well. He's a he's a great driver. Works hard at it. Um, he's now obviously he's in he's in the regardless of whether it's the best car or not, he's 100% in with the best team with the best sort of facilities and the best way of, of doing things. Um, like, you know, if he carries on doing it, you know, it just, the, the hard thing is with America at the moment is there's still, a, although they've tried to sort of narrow the gap and make the cars closer, there's still a huge gap between open cars and the Rally 2 cars. So, you know, unless some like, when Barry came back and did a hundred acre, it was an, it was a really really stunning battle, and Barry did an amazing job to 
been out of the car for so long and then come and really sort of take the fight to him right to the very end. So um, it, it's, it's just one of those things where if he if he if he's able to keep himself in the in the top car and keep wanting to do it, but you know Brandon's you know I'm like what it was for me for a few of the seasons that you know there was nothing worse than not having the top level competition because you go a bit stale as a driver. So he you know Brandon will want to have the biggest fights and he'll have much more preferred last year's competing when he was against three or four cars all battling for win than what he will have done on you know last week's Olympus rally where it was sort of he was the only sort of open car in it but it's not you know it's not his fault he's the only open car in it it's up to other people to, to try and get the cars but just the, the the price of those to try and build an open car to rival that is just so big now it's just very very difficult unless you've got manufacturer support so so this year the ARA brought in new rules for the open four-wheel drive class to make them more towards an RC2 slash Rally 5 car. Do you think those new rules are enough or do you think there needs to be more? Yeah, no, no, no. The, the, the idea is, is there, but um, unfortunately... Um, there's still there's still no the, the problem the problem you've got if you if you were to take those regulations they've got now and we were to go and do twist your events more like European events I think the gap would be very would be very close um, but when you when American events are typically way more high speed than the other ones then a car with six gears and a, and a two liter plus engine is always going to be quicker than a five speed gearbox car with a with a 1.6 engine because it's just the the mass you just can't do the top speeds that you need to do so even though the chassis might be a little bit better and a bit lighter and should stop better and you know up to fourth gear i would think the rally two cars should be faster or or definitely very close to it but then when you get from fourth gear above that's where the open cars really really get going and find the find the ways really so um but it's also you know it's hard to judge the gap really because you know I would say Brandon and Barry and Travis and that would be driving at probably a higher level than what the people are that are in the Rally 2 cars at the moment. So, you know, you're not necessarily really seeing the the true gap um, because of because you haven't got equal drivers and equal in, in equal cars. So it's, I think, until you really get to a point where you get like a really top-class driver who's done it at the highest level in, in different things in it in a Rally 2 car, it's a bit hard to hard to say because um, Subaru and the, the the team, the way they operate and the way they do things, is obviously a lot different to a privateer team that's running a, or a customer team that's running a, a rally two car. So it's a it's just a different process of of getting the the last out of everything. But this, this, the cars definitely are not quite. Um, it's a top. It's a top speed section where I'd like to see more. I think the aero and all those different things doesn't really play as big a feature as what you'd think. It's more the, you know, we've got. I'd, one idea I came up with was with for a certain engine capacity gives a certain turbo restrictor, and then when you go to a bigger one, you get a smaller restrictor to try and even it that way. But it's, you know, it's hard to police. It's hard to understand for the public, and it is just a. It's a very difficult way of of doing of doing it, but it's um, it would be it'd be good to go and try and drive in a proper, a nice, uh, in a good spec 
rally two car to see how close you could get on some events, but for sure events like Hundred Acre, Oregon, and and, and um, events like that, it's always going to be a big, big challenge to beat an open car with a a big engine and big top speed. So you know we were doing like one hundred and thirty five quite regularly in the in the open Subaru. Um, so you know a, a rally two car, you you really are maxing out at one fifteen, one sixteen miles an hour. So it's quite a big quite a big difference in, in, in speed at, at, that, at that point. So I know this, I asked this in the pre-show, but is there any hard feelings between you and Subaru over the way it ended? Um, no, not, none, none at all. You know, I've had, a, had an absolutely amazing 10 years um, with them. It was, you know, it was, it was absolutely more than I ever dreamed of as a driver. So there's no way you can have hard feelings for Obviously, I, I, wish, I wish it ended different. I wish there was a way where I could have had a, Known I was doing my final season or doing my final thing with them, where you could have actually, you know, took it all in a bit different, you know, gone to the events for the last time and sort of said thank you to everyone or done something a little bit different to even the fans that supported us so much with Subaru. It would have been, you know, it would have been nice to have been able to go and do something a bit different um, for them. So that's the only bit I don't really, um, you know, sort of would have been nice to end it in a in a different sort of way rather than sort of finishing the last rally and then just not getting to go back and, and see anyone again. That, that was, that for sure was the hardest part of it. So you over the years had quite a few probably interactions with Ken, Ken Block. What was that like for you? I remember the, the very first time I went over to do a, um, some training with Travis and Ken and, I didn't really, you know, at the time I was so focused on European and WRC events that I didn't really know or hadn't really heard of any of of any of them. Like Travis sort of arrived as a young, goofy kid who was a complete headball. And then Ken was there, he was a, you know, he's a, he was, he was a very different character. But I remember being in the car and being absolutely blown away by Ken's speed way more than Travis's, to be honest. Um, Ken had this thing that he wanted to do everything to perfection and to a point where I, I, I generally think some of the crashes he would have was because he, he would want to drive at a speed that you could do that perfect speed of that corner, you know, in 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 a, in a normal situation, but in rallying, you know, the grip changes or the conditions change or something makes that a little bit different. Because I remember we'd sort of go whizzing down this road and he'd, he'd not do a corner very well and rather than sort of finishing the stage and then having a chat about it, we'd sort of stop go back and then go back at it again i'm like ken you can't do that in a in, in a real rally but yeah but i didn't get it but he just had this sort of perfection style of doing things which i think what made him so successful in everything he did that everything had to be the the best on you know the image side the graphic side of things the videos he, everything they did was absolutely unreal but he, he was a very sort of you know, I'd, I'd, I'd had, I'd, you know, I'd been to his house. I was in Utah doing something for Subaru with one of the bike races and something. And it, going to his house and sort of sitting in his front porch having a coffee is a very different Ken to the Ken you would be with in front of the the cameras and in front of the different things. So, you know, we were always rivals um, whenever we competed against each other. And that rivalry probably got sort of brought up way more against... Um, you know, different fans and different people that like Subaru and people that didn't like Ken and people that didn't like me because of whatever. There was more of a sort of the more of those type of sort of 
build up to it. There was, but between me and Ken ourselves, we never ever had a um, had any issues. Really, it was always it was always sort of good respect for each other. Good, um, you know, definitely was a guy that you'd sort of would would be cool to be would be be around. But he was just a very sort of a a one a one a one of a kind type of guy. that wanted to do everything to the max, and um, it was just such a horrible shame how it how it all ended for him but at the same time um you know it's just you know i don't know i'm pretty sure he wouldn't have any regrets of what he did and and had a, had a great time just one more thing on the ken thing though i think it's absolutely <clears throat> like it's brilliant to see that um that leah and, and lucy are able to sort of continue and keep going because it must be absolutely horrendous for for them to do it like Leah's on a really good sort of progress and you know she's driving every different type of race car and rally car and different things and I know Ken would be absolutely like like I'm a proud dad watching how my like one of my daughters my well my my only daughter she's working in Formula One with Williams and the social media and I'm on that sort of things and then I've got my lad racing at a really high level and as a parent that just makes you so proud so I'm sure he would be absolutely um, chuffed to bits to see that both Lucy and Leah are able to keep continuing on and and doing their bit for it. And and Leah just won the uh, open open two wheel drag class at uh, Olympus this past Olympus, weekend. yeah, saw that, yeah. And it wasn't easy as well. Obviously, she'd come from she got the lead and then had a problem and dropped back and and fought back and did it again. So it's um, yeah, it's definitely definitely her. Um, she's got the she's got the right attitude and she's gonna she's gonna go a long way for sure. And two this year, she has a different co-driver in Rianne and Gelsomino, uh, who you've had some interactions with before, and who's also going to be a uh, guest on this podcast next week. Have you ever had a chance to interact with Leah? Um, yeah, a little bit. Obviously, only on um, sort of events last year, but also when I, when even though I wasn't competing in all the rally cross events, I would have been on most of them doing either spotter for Dave Meir or Bucky or those different people. So um, obviously I've, you sort of grow up around the family and see how they've progressed into it. And um, I know she did some karting first and obviously she knew that um, we'd been through the karting with, with, with my lad and things. So, um, so you de- I've, I've definitely sort of spoke to her a good few times and sent her a few messages of encouragement whenever we can and things. So it's, um, Obviously, when you when you're not there all the time, you're not on the events all the time. It's not as easy to see the people, but for sure, um, she's definitely got the right attitude to to go a long way. So you mentioned rallycross. You did a few rallycross events throughout your career. Um, what was your favorite rallycross event to do? Um, I think I think the very early X Games when we were in this sort of the closed road streets of LA was definitely the highlight of that when you were going, you know, between the walls and then the gap jumps and all the way in the city centre. That was that to me was absolutely that was the really, really cool and um, to get a medal on the first one but an X Games medal on the first one was was really good. Um but some some the rally cross was always difficult for me because I was all I wasn't I never really knew when I was doing it I never had the, the sort of the testing or the plans to go and do it they were all sort of thrown in last minute um but the the the, the, the 
some of those the, the early ones were definitely um were, were, i would say were more fun the course when they were sort of going through the streets and um that was definitely pretty cool like when when it started going to like when we had the the like the last car that we had when we did the silverstone one as part of the wrc event that was a really cool event again but i think it was more because it was back home again you actually had some of the sort of friends and family were able to come down and and see it and be part of the event really do you have any regrets from your uh career um I probably sometimes i wish i didn't i didn't do a full season at wrc and, and actually try and get a, a a bit more of a championship with that but at the same time by not doing that gave me a, a probably a much longer career and um you know gave me a full professional career rather than sort of chasing the sponsorship just to go and do each, each event really so that would definitely be a um would be a little bit of a regret really but to be honest i've been in a real fortunate position that every championship i've entered at some point i've managed to been able to win it and, and do it in a, in a good way so i don't really sort of look back and then go i wish i would have done this different because even when you've done something and made a mistake or you've done something that hasn't gone well i think you, you learn from it and that makes you stronger anyway so you know, you're never going to be perfect all the time. You're never going to have, um, you're never going to, you know, it's, it's never going to be a dream the whole way through it. Like some, there's been some years in my career where I've been absolutely brutal and you've really been sort of struggling to even make it to the next event and do things. So that's, um, but that determination to keep going is what makes you stronger and probably makes you appreciate the, the good times even more. Was there any championship win that stuck out to you as special or different in any way, or were they kind of all the same? Uh, if you talk about America, then obviously the, the um, 2013, the sort of the Ken season, I call it, when we were going head to head, that was definitely a, a standout year. That was really, really good. Um, 15 again when we had the perfect season and won every event and virtually I think we won virtually every stage as well of the season that that was the launch of the new car and everything as well that'll always go down as a as a um as a really good event especially because of that on that same year 2015 um M Sport brought Ken was there with his he brought a, a new car there and there's they brought some new different cars and it was a really good competition and really good sort of hype up for that event so 15 would be a good year but i suppose the the only year that I, I like i don't really have a highlight of the one that won but the, the of i did a, i did the american series 11 times and won it 10 times and the, probably the only regret really is the year when i didn't win was a um was one that you know the year when travis um got it but we actually finished on equal points and the same amount of wins same amount of second places but it all came down to a really um crazy tie break system that they sort of invented um part just before that last event um which made it pretty much impossible for us to to, to win the championship so that was a bit of a shame really because we you know I felt that we'd done enough to to get that year as well we were a little bit unlucky that you know, we were in a position to to, to um, win the rally and win the championship on a jib way, but unfortunately, we had a uh, a camera that was stuck on the windscreen of the car. We went through a mud a muddy water splash, put the wipers on, they jammed because of the the camera. 
and that lost us three minutes. We dropped us right back, and they had this point system that if you win a stage, you get zero points. If you're second, you get two points. If you're thirtieth on the stage, you get thirty points. So even though we'd won sixty percent of the stages that year, we still lost a tie break because of a couple of a bad stages, like the one on there and the one on Super Special at LSPR, where we had a turbo that was gone. And we were only 10 seconds off the fastest, but because of a, such a short stage, we ended up 30th on that one stage. Um, and that made it that we couldn't actually get the get the championship. So that that bugs me a little bit. because um, It would have been nice to have had the, the clean sweep of all of them, but um, it is what it is. And it was something that you can't control. So I'm over it now, maybe. <laughs> so who was your least favourite ride to attend? Um... LSPR, like I so not LSPR, um, STPR was always a really difficult one because I loved the driving of the stage and loved the event, but the recce was just brutally painful because it was like 25 mile an hour the speed limit on the recce, and you're getting like logging trucks coming up behind you trying to um, get you out of the way because you're holding them up, but then you've got like a speed camera for the event around the corner trying to give you a penalty. So I remember one year I started that rally with a three-minute penalty before it even started because of things like that on the um, on the recce and stuff. So that was it was always a, that was always a tough event. Snowdrift was an event that you know every like it was a, a most unbelievable challenge to do the event. But while you were there, you were you know you're always like this one corner away from going off when you're on no on the ice with no studs. So while you were doing the event, I always said I hated every minute of it, but it was always the one that was probably one of the most rewarding and one that I'd look forward to in a really weird way. And probably one of the events I missed the most was just that unique unique challenge of it, really. So what got you into rally in the first place? My grandparents rallied, parents rallied. Um, where we, I started kart racing when I was like 10 years old. And... You know, I would have loved to do rallying, but I knew we couldn't afford to do it at a, a decent level. And I got to a point where, when I was like 17, um, I was at a high level in karting and it was getting like offers from factory teams and kart racing. But at the same point, my brother was getting, he was doing rallying and he just got his first professional contract. And um, I had no real plans to go into rallying because I knew I couldn't afford to, to do it at a, a good level um but then my brother the year he got offered his first factory drive for for Vauxhall for GM he was he was also offered to do the Peugeot challenge for team and he just said oh I can't do it but I know a guy who would do a, a good job so I got given a test to do the Peugeot series um got the um got given the drive and the drive was actually with Tom Williams's dad's team at the time who they ran Richard Burns who'd been a world champion the year before, he stepped up into something else. But they wanted to keep their Peugeot um, challenge team going. Um, and it was David Williams, obviously Tom's dad, that was my manager and the guy that got me in my first team. And we won the Peugeot series. And at the end of that series, you got a factory drive for, for Peugeot in the British Championship the year after. So that was pretty much how it all sort of started and, and um, it kept going from there. So do you talk to Tom Williams? Uh, yes, and, and obviously his dad and things, yeah. So um, keep in contact with them. It's, it's, it's ironic that of all of the people to be going over there now, and it's like such a long 
like David Williams managed me up until the end of 95, but it was getting difficult because he was still managing Richard at the same time. Um, which had burned to things and just he, he wasn't able for it to do both of us at the level that he wanted to be able to do it so um, so he sort of stepped back a bit from me and kept going with, with Richard and then um, we always kept in contact and always good friends and kept kept in, kept in thing and obviously when Tom first started rallying again we used to have the rally school in the UK here and Tom would have come to there a few good few times when it in his when he was starting and he used to use it as a, as a place for testing and things um when he when he was like before he started going back out to america to compete your son yeah your son matthew is in f4 stuff do you wish he went to rally or are you just happy he's in racing <laughs> um he he would love to rally there's nothing he'd love more than to go rallying um and for me, is it like it would be way easier for me to try and to stick to to do the rallying? But unfortunately, there's, there's so few opportunities in rallying to make it as a as a career that um, you know, I wouldn't say I'm forcing him for the racing because that's 100 percent not the right way it is. But you know, there's way more career opportunities in racing than there is in rallying. Like you know the. the the proof is the fact that I could win 10 championships in America, yet I can't find a budget or a sponsor to get um, to be able to go and compete again in a series in the same series that I'd you know pretty much dominated for, for 10 years. So that just sort of shows how few opportunities there are to be at, at that level. Like very, very few people can say they've been professional in rallying because there just isn't that many opportunities where in racing there's so many different disciplines, different categories and um, especially trying to go down the sports car route where you've got like multiple drivers in a in a in the team, then for sure that makes um, you know like Matthew, he's just turned eighteen now, but he, he owns a you know he he's he's a professional racing driver already, where he's coaching and training people on a on a track like two days a week. He's on a track doing coaching with the the next sort of car racing people or working with the teams doing data and things. Well, where, where those opportunities aren't really there in in rallying as much as I'd love it to be to be the case it's just not really um there's just not that much or that easy to try and go into it and to do the junior categories now in rallying like the WRC for example uh, it's so expensive to do a, a junior championship and you know the good thing is that you can still be a junior at 28 years old so he could you know he's 18 now in 10 years time he could still go and do a junior rally program so the, the definitely the focus is to try and keep pushing for the for the racing but i know deep down he'd love to go he'd love to go rallying and it would be it'd be fun for it to happen at some point but at the moment it's all it's all eyes on the on the the, the, the smooth tarmac 